Welcome to the May Contain Wine Podcast, brought to you by Wine, Women, and Wellbeing. I'm your host, Lisa Webb, and together we're going to get to know incredible women doing all kinds of interesting things. So grab a glass and get ready to be inspired by the amazing women in our global community. Hello, friends. Today I have a very special guest, and I cannot wait to tell you all about her. With me, I have Dr. Jordan Wiggins, who is a naturopath doctor, entrepreneur, women's sexual health disruptor, and author. She is revolutionizing the way we deliver, educate, and talk about sexual health, wellness, and pleasure for women. Jordan is the author of The Pink Canary. She's been a speaker and contributor to publications like Healthline, Cosmopolitan, Mary Claire, HuffPost, and Bustle. Hello, Jordan. Thank you for coming and chatting with me today. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I am great. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, So I'm just going to dive right in and I would love for you to share with us your journey on how you got to be where you are and do what you do. Because I will tell you, my guidance counselor never said, Hey, maybe you should study pleasure for women in their sexuality. Like that was not even on my radar. I became a Catholic school teacher. So this is so interesting for me. (laughs) So why don't you, um... and I went to Catholic school. So there was, yes, definitely no guidance counselor saying, Hey, teach sex and pleasure for a living. Yeah. How does that happen? Can you give us a little bit of your journey? Yeah, it was an evolution. Um, mainly me losing my libido twice in my life and not having any answers once in my pre-med degree, when I started birth control, had all of these hormone issues, depression, um, and the medical system's answer was just take an antidepressant. And I was saying, you know, there's something different here. Like I'm not myself. It started shortly after birth control. There has to be something more going on. Like, yeah, I'm depressed. I lack joy. I'm not as happy as I used to be, but it doesn't feel like depression, depression. It felt different. And how it started was different because it started when I took birth control. So I started doing my own research as any pre-med student would do and was kind of suffering in silence because there is so much shame about sexual health and libido. And especially you're in your early twenties, doctors look at you and say, this is supposed to be your prime. Um, So got off birth control, balanced my hormones, became a naturopathic doctor. And I was like, I cracked the code to libido. Um, and then I opened a women's health clinic and started to realize that there were thousands of women with low libido, like the same issue that I was having and suffering in silence, not really having any answers or the recommendations they were being given by their doctors weren't working. Mm -hmm. So I started to realize, oh my goodness, this is a massive problem. Research says that 50% of women will suffer with sexual dysfunction in their lifetime. I personally think that that's underreported because 90% of the women (laughs) that come through our um, clinic 
have issues with libido and basically all of the women that I talk to daily and sexual dysfunction is pain with sex, difficulty getting aroused or staying aroused. So if you're writing emails in your head or doing to-do lists while you're being intimate, (laughs) that counts. Lacking desire. So the women that I work with will say, I, I don't care if I ever have sex again, but I want it. I want to want it because my partner Mm -hmm. or they are the higher drive partner and their, um, their husband doesn't want to have sex. So somewhere there's a big mismatch in libido and that counts as sexual dysfunction and difficulty orgasming or not being able to orgasm, which is also a huge problem that I didn't realize. So it was more an evolution. It was not something that I woke up one day and said, Oh, I want to do sexual health for a living because there is so much shame. And when I was writing and publishing my book thinking, you know, my elementary school teachers could see and read this or my parents' friends are going to see my Instagram. So, um, it definitely evolved over time and it evolved out of my personal need for answers and solutions that worked. And then I realized, oh my goodness, that I'm not alone. I'm not broken. I am just the same as the other 50% of women globally. Right. So tell us now about the pleasure collective. What is that? And give us a little like sneak peek into that world. So the pleasure collective is exactly what it sounds. It's a group of women. We have online education programs, coaching programs, um, community groups, because, and this was another brilliant thing. This actually stemmed from me having a time problem, not having enough hours in the day. It was recommended to me to start doing groups and I resisted it for years. I was like, women are not going to want to get in groups and discuss these intimate issues because there's affairs that they haven't told anyone about. They have so much um, shame because of our Catholic school education (laughs) or um, feel like what our parents taught us about Mm -hmm. sex or didn't teach us. So I just said, it's it's not going to work. But, and then, yes. And then COVID happened and I had to move everything on line and we were kind of piloting some small in-person groups before, and it was going really well. COVID was just this perfect time to start doing groups of women and the healing and the transformation when you can hear other women's stories and normalize what's going on in your relationship and think, oh my goodness, like it's not me me. and not feel alone. That in and of itself is actually, it's research proven that being in groups discussing sexual health improves sexual function by 30%. So just by being in these groups and talking, we're improving. And maybe there's something to be said for the fact that these women, if it was online, they likely didn't know each other before. And so maybe it's not like they have to tell their 
one of their very good friends who also happens to be like their husband's boss or whatever it might be. Right. It almost removes that circle. Yeah. There is a little bit of anonymity to it because we are dealing with women all over the world. So women will set their alarms and show up on a call and it'll be like pitch black on their Zoom and they're <laughs> chatting. Um, but you're right. It's not like we all know each other and it. But sometimes it's nice. It's like third party, right? Yeah, definitely. And there's just something about the women that are called to want more in this area mm-hmm. that we all, it's just so respectful and honest and everyone can share on a level. And I hear it all the time on calls. Like I've never said this out loud before, but, and then you can just see the shoulders drop and everyone on the call relax and just feel so much lighter. So yeah, we, we talk about sex, be vulnerable and I love And we talk about sex, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of something that, like you said, is frowned upon or considered taboo in some circles or just something that we haven't normalized. So when you find a space where that is safe and accepted, I imagine that there would be very much a sense of freedom there. So much freedom and the way we go about it. I think what's a little different about my work as opposed to a traditional um, sex coach a lot of women, when there is so much shame and everything, they're scared to, they won't go to a sex coach or they'll see a website of a sex coach and it's like, turns them off. But when we talk about things, we discuss like stress and burnout, for example, women are tend to be overgiving. We're doing a lot. We're working all day. We're dealing with our like managing a household, helping our kids with all the things. And we are in a state of sympathetic overdrive, like fight or flight. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time we're producing stress hormone. And just by the nature of how we're living our days is turning off the pleasure centers in our brain. So when we are trying to get some work done or trying to clean up the kitchen and our partner comes up and tries to kiss us on the neck and we're like, Ugh, get away. <laughs> it's a physiologic response because we're in that sympathetic nervous state. Yes. Very different from when you just walk in the door from the spa, for example, or after yoga or vacation sex, for example. Mm-hmm. So, but by a, <clears throat> by approaching things from that angle and kind of appealing to the, to our, our brilliant minds, then it's like, oh, okay, I get this. I understand it. And then how can we interrupt that pattern? What things do we need to put in place so that I can get into the, after the spa zone Mm -hmm. and be ready. Love after the spa zone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So is this where your pleasure principles, are you able to talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pleasure principles is our foundational program and it's the sex education. I wish that 
every woman on the planet had. And it's basically the main barriers to having the intimacy and connection that we desire. And that also evolved over time. Cause once I started realizing, oh my goodness, it's not just me. It's all of these women coming to my clinic. I need to get to the bottom of this. So I realized that there was a pattern in why, and, and there is no little pink pill, right? It's not, this is a multifactorial problem that needs a multifactorial approach to treating it. It's not just like, oh, here, read some tips on how to give better oral sex. It doesn't work. Right. So I realized that our lack of education is huge because we get reproductive sex education, if that. So we get taught how to make a baby, but we don't get taught. <clears throat> Do we need to clap? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Cough. Get clear your throat. It's all good. Have a <clears throat> I'll, I'll just talk amongst myself. What we what we get taught in school, especially the not not to bash the system we came from, but we got taught don't get pregnant. Don't have sex is actually what the sex education that I got, um, was this is how a baby's made. Don't do that. Like that was that. And then and now carry on and onward you go, um, until you actually right. have a baby. And for some people you realize like, Whoa, I spent all that time worrying. And it's actually, sometimes it's kind of hard for people to have a baby. <laughs> so that's, that's a whole nother story. Um, but back to the, as your throat clear now, okay. we need to have another podcast about that, like yes. the trying not to, and then needing to conceive things. Right. Isn't yeah, that like the irony of the, all irony, right? I know burden of birth control falling on women, just so much there. But, um, the, when we get taught, cause that was, that was fear-based mm-hmm. education hundred percent with, it comes not. with shame and that's really puts the brakes on desire, or we feel like we can be sexual beings only in a very small set of circumstances, which is mm-hmm. when you're married in the bedroom with the lights off and you don't talk about it. And, and how well is that working for people? Yeah. <laughs> but if we get taught pleasure focused sex education, which is how can we um, keep that fire burning over the length of a relationship. And we know that libidos will be mismatched from time to time. And where one partner wants more and one partner wants less, like maybe after having a baby or perimenopause, like what turned you on when you were 20 is not going to turn you on when you're 40, but we're still trying to have sex the same way. So we need to, we need that re-education piece because basically we're having sex, like going to a restaurant and ordering the same thing off the menu every single time. And there's all these other things, (laughs) but we don't even know. We're not even trying. We're not even exploring. And then oftentimes the, like, we don't even know what we want. We're so stressed. We're so burnt out. There's so much shame there that we don't even know what we want. I'll ask women, what do you desire? 
what would make you happy? Like what would make your heart sing in this moment? And they can't answer or they just cry. Answer, they get so overwhelmed. They as cry a, as a, as a gender. Because I feel like if you ask men that question, they'd be like, I want this, this, and this. And I feel like that answer would probably come fast and confidently. I agree with you. And I agree. I don't think that's the case for most women. And just, and also I don't think that there's been, um, you need to be in a position where you're asked that. And if you like to be in a relationship where you are comfortable talking about it, Mm -hmm. which is also like, if you've been in that relationship and had that conversation for the first time, you're like, Oh, oh, this is like, this feels weird to talk about. But if you get past the, this feels weird to talk about, turns out it's really good on the other side. Um, but it is weird to talk about. Exactly. And that's why we have a communication module in pleasure principles, because people say, you know, we're a great team. My partner and I are a great team, but when it comes to communicating about sex and intimacy and those needs, it's like they're, they, they're gagged. Like they got nothing. They can't get it out. They'll think things in the moment or they'll want to request trying something, but they don't have the language for it. So we teach that because it is so hard. Mm-hmm. I got to get in that group. I'm like, what, what are you guys talking about in there? I'm so curious. All, all kinds of good stuff. <laughs> um, okay. So it's a full sex re-education basically. Yeah. We talk about desires. Like, what do you want? What do you want that you don't even know you want? And in and out of the bedroom. Cause that's the other thing we're teaching pleasure, like 360 in our whole lives because sex is not a drive. Thirst is a drive. Hunger is a drive. If we don't eat or drink, we will die. We need to seek it out and our need for it will get greater. But sex is actually the opposite, even though, and this is the whole thing. Most of the things that we were taught about sex is wrong, like, and damaging. So sex isn't a drive. Sex is a reward system. So the more good sex you have, the more good sex you want. Mm -hmm. So it actually becomes like, once we can remove the breaks and the blocks and get people knowing what do I want? How do I ask for it? How do I receive it? Then they start, then that's when that fire just starts burning and it's easier to keep it lit because the more good sex you have, the more good sex you want. That's how the brain works. And that's why when you are saying, I don't care if I ever want it again, or my partner just doesn't seem to want it. It's because sex is not a drive, right? It's kind of like getting back into exercising when you haven't done it in so long, you're like, I don't want to exercise. Like, why would I want to do that? Who cares? I don't miss exercise, like whatever. And then you start exercising and you start to feel good. And you remember what runner's high is or whatever your exercise of choice is for people who exercise. And then the more you did, like for me, anyways, maybe I have an addictive, addictive personality, but the more I run, the more I want to run because it makes I me think, feel good. I think that the same applies there because when we think of the neurophysiology and the chemical, like the hormones that are released from 
running, it's very similar with sex and orgasm. Mm-hmm. So you talked about libido. You talked about how so many women are suffering in that department. Um, do you have a top tip for getting it back? We have to focus on ourselves and our pleasure first. And like I said, when we're overgiving, when we're doing too much, when we are conditioned to think of how others feel first and not about ourselves, that's the problem that sets us up for having bad sex. And when we show up in that space, our partners don't like it and aren't really fulfilled by it either. And they might not know, they might respond by like wanting more (laughs) because it's not fulfilling. But because if you show up and you're just like going through the motions, people can tell on Mm -hmm. some level, right? That doesn't feel good for, for either party. So we need to start focusing on what do we want? What will make us feel good? And sometimes we're starting really small because this is a muscle that has not been flexed for most women. So it could be, I literally have women clean out their underwear drawers as part of our pleasure principles and their closets and like, get rid of the gross underwear that makes you feel awful. And clothes, like when we're getting dressed, what feels good on our bodies? Can you stop and get a really um, nice latte if that will make you happy or make your commute to work better? So that's the like pleasure begets pleasure. The more sex we have, the more sex we want. We're starting to shift the momentum and, and the more we turn up that pleasure dial, the more you're going to want sex, the more you're going to attract those, um, good things happening for you. And then you're like in our group chat being like, my husband and I just had a, you know, quickie in the closet while the kids were watching Netflix. And the best part was I initiated it and I wanted it. Yeah, girl. (laughs) But it starts with little things. Do you know what? I completely agree. And I think that we need to be kinder to ourselves. And I think that the more bubble baths we take and the more grace we give ourselves, like, you know what? the laundry is there. I don't want to be thinking of the laundry while I am trying to have an intimate moment. Like we need to let go, let go Elsa. Like, yes, let it go. Like don't care so much about those things that don't matter. And then we feel nicer. We're not feeling stressed or heavy or like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And yeah, if you feel nice and you come out of the bubble bath and you're like, Oh, I feel nice. Maybe I'll make myself a cup of tea or maybe I'll have a glass of wine. Um, and then, so it's funny because you're not saying like, what's the number one answer to libido, get a vibrator or do this, or it, it's not what we think it is basically be kinder to yourself. Yeah. Self- Which is amazing. Like we can do that girls. We can. And that's why all of those tips. And I mean, I love those articles. I write those articles, but they're, they don't get to the deep root of the problem. If you don't, if you're not kind to yourself, if you don't know how to make yourself feel good 
in and out of the bedroom. That's the real problem. Yeah. If you're not happy and you're just walking around angry, well, no, you're probably not going to want to do it. Yeah. We call it crusty in the press. Crusty is such a good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to talk about other gross words, you're not going to want to get moist. If you're feeling crusty, (laughs) just put all those gross words into one sentence. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think that is like a perfect segue right there on that little bit of grossness. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Now we're shifting, we're shifting out of sex into just general women's mindset. Um, So if you could share a bottle of wine or sit down and have a conversation with any woman living or dead, who would you love to sit down with? Oh, Michelle Obama. Mm, She's good, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Next one. What is your go-to well-being or self-care practice? Pole dancing. Oh, says the sexologist. (laughs) such a lucky yeah, I was like it's yoga or pole dancing but pole dancing fun uh what does sisterhood mean to you having someone a group of women that truly see me and support me however I am in that moment favorite book or podcast recommendation the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Have it, reading it. So good. And last one. What, actually, the listeners can't see it, but I'm like, I'm holding it up right now. It's, it's literally right beside me, The Big Leap. Uh, what advice would you give to your 16-year-old self? You know, follow your heart. That's so good. And we do, right? Follow the nudge. Yeah. And we just get so conditioned away from our internal knowing. And I think that's, yeah, that's the problem. That's why so many women are depressed. So many women have hormone problems. So many women have low libido because we're just not trusting ourselves. That's good. Okay, Jordan, tell everyone where to find you. You can find me on Instagram at Dr. Jordan Wiggins. Send me a DM. I do answer. It might take me a few days, but I get back to all of my DMs personally because I know how hard all of this info is to navigate. So if you have any questions, let me know. Perfect. Thanks so much for being with us today, Jordan. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for listening, friends. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and recommend us to a friend. Head to winewomenwellbeing.com to find out more about what our community is all about and reach out to us on social media. We'd love to connect. Until next time, stay classy, stay kind.